Beer Podcast is brought to you by these cool dudes. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Cooley from the Red Beard Podcast, and you are listening to the Red Beard Podcast. It's my buddy across from me. Hey. Yo. What up? <laughs> Not much. How's it going, dude? Yo, I'm chilling, man. Chilling. How you doing? Chilling, man. Uh, yo. 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 Yeah. We just watched the Star Wars trailer. The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Coming out in December. Christmas. Christmas. What, what do you think? More importantly, what do you think? What do I think? <laughs> Let's get to what I think after we figure out what you think. <laughs> well, it's going to be a letdown <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm not like a huge Star Wars fan. But, um, you know, hey, I watched the trailer. I did really enjoy it. Um, it is definitely... There's always something in those trailers that are Easter eggs that I clearly feel that I miss just because I, I'm not as big of a fan as everybody else. But uh, I will admit the trailer actually gave me some goosebumps, which is kind of cool. You know what I mean? And when that happens, that usually means that I'm really enjoying the trailer. Um, I like how um, we see Rhea just kind of like on the edge of right. the mountain with the with the lightsaber going and like she's training. Like that was pretty badass. Um you know, just things like that, you know, that kind of harken back to, um, you know, when when Luke Skywalker was actually training with Yoda, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, I just think the overall feel of the movie with the, with the music and then you see like that famous Lucasfilm uh, logo, you know, it's just it really is like, holy shit, like this is a this is a trailer, you know, for like a movie that is universal, um, you know, that just everybody is is on the edge of their seats watching. Um, and I feel like when you watch a trailer like that, you're just a bigger part of something, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and, um, yeah. And it was just cool to actually hear Mark Hamill say something <laughs> because like in the last movie, I was like, he's going to talk. He didn't say anything, but, um, he said, uh, you know, uh, I think it's, I think it's time for the Jedi to end, which I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's at a point where he hasn't started training her yet and why he thinks that. Um, so there's a lot of uh, thoughts I have, but I really want to know what you think, man, because this is, this is your, your thing. So go have at it, man. Yeah. So like the first thing that jumped out at me was the, the beginning of the trailer, um, mimicked the beginning of the first trees, the first teaser trailer for the force awakens. Uh, but instead of Finn popping up, you know, in his, in his stormtrooper outfit after crash landing on Jakku, um, it's her, uh, Ray, actually just popping up like I guess during training because it seems like she's winded um but they but it's really cool because they're both like in the beginning of these trailers they're both like sweating uh, right right they're both like panting like gasping for air and it was just really it was a really cool throwback uh to the first teaser trailer for Force Awakens then uh you know you start getting into some of the dialogue from from Luke uh basically asking her you know what she sees um, you know, when she's focusing and, and, and whatnot, and she talks about seeing the light in the darkness. Um, oh yeah. Well, there was that other thing where he's like, breathe. Right. And then she says, I can, she goes, Oh, I, I feel, uh, there's so much more that, uh, I feel balanced, but then like you see the, the gravel around her start to float. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And it I was mean? very reminiscent of, uh, Luke's time on Dagobah with Yoda when he's training, uh, which you mentioned, which was very impressive that I like, I mean, with you not being a Star Wars fan uh, in particular, like the fact that you caught on to that was kind of Im- impressive to me. That uh, moment when she's doing that really reminded me of when, you know, Luke's kind of teaching. Uh, I mean, Yoda's teaching Luke how to, you know, get the, the X-Wing out of the swamp. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she starts focusing and the the rocks start levitating and stuff like that. That was really cool. Um, but I thought what was really impressive important in this teaser um and you know this just came out uh so you know like we're talking about this right now as it dropped um so i don't think you know anybody's actually you know written anything on this yet but if they do i'd be interested to see what anybody else thinks but um what was i thought what was really important was that call out to the fact that she sees light and she sees dark um and she sees so much more and the balance and so on and so forth. Like the whole, the whole story of star Wars is about Luke Skywalker being the, the chosen one, the guy that's going to bring balance to the force. Uh, and maybe his destiny is to train Ray 
and finally bring that balance to the force. And, and that means that there's going to be a character in this movie or in the next movie, uh, or at least by the third movie in this trilogy, where this character is going to be someone who uses both the full powers of the dark side and the light side of the force, uh, thus bringing an end to the Jedi because the Jedi is purely a light side, uh, they're light side of the force users. Um, I just, yeah, it's, this is going to be fantastic. And th there was a scene where there were like these really weird, like fighters, like star fighters that, um, they were like white and glowing and like you yeah. had Finn sitting in the, the cockpit of one of them. It looked like, uh, and it looked like he, his eyes were closed. Definitely. Uh, so it looked kind of like maybe he was using the force to pilot the, the craft. And I'm not sure if that was the case or not. Uh, but that would be really interesting too, if they're finally like revealing him to be a force user. Cause I didn't get that from the first film that he was actually connected to the force in any way. Right. What, one of the things that I feel like I missed, um, just because like I said, you know, not being like a huge buff of the movies, um, there was one point where they they put the somebody puts their hand down on something that looks almost like a, a type of like paper or linen and it has a symbol on it. What was that? Do you know what I'm talking about? See, I didn't catch that. Okay, it was I'll almost like a it. it was like a gold symbol or something, and they put their hand down on it, and I was like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to watch the trailer again. I mean, we watched it once, and, yeah, and, and so like there there's definitely some things that I missed on and. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to watch it a few more times and we can talk more about it as they because now that they've released that teaser, that means more is coming. Now, um, now what do great. you what do you think uh, about what what uh, Luke says at the end where he's like, you know, I think the time has come, you know, to, to end the Jedi. Like, what do you mean? What do you think he means by that? Well, technically, like he is the last Jedi um, right. that we know of. Um, with that being the case, like. I think exactly like I had mentioned it like in like before the the fact that she sees both the light and the dark and the opportunity to bring them together. Um, I, I think that's what he means. Like we're not like he's not training a Jedi. He's training her in the use of the force uh, as a whole. It's not splintered anymore. It's not separated or fractured. And that's going to make her one of the most powerful force wielders in the in the galaxy. So. All right, so maybe that's something I don't understand, but I mean, the fact that you actually have a like, what's the difference between a force user and a Jedi? I mean, well, obviously, a well, force Jedi, user could be either way, I guess. Like, like right. Vader uses the force; he's a force user, but a Jedi is—he's a Sith. Vader a is Sith, a Sith, a Sith, right? Which but, is purely dark side, right? Um, Skywalker is a Jedi, which is purely light side of the force. Um, and they have their own code and they have their own way of doing things. Jedi think of it as an order of knights, mm -hmm. um, and they have their own like moral code and they have their own way of doing things. They have their own rules. Um, and they, they try to steer themselves away from emotion because but, emotion leads to the dark side. But that's my point though. So why dark siders would... give into emotion and Jedi's don't. And Jedi's don't. And and so like the end of the Jedi would be like no longer no longer would you, you know, have that order of knights that actually um you know succumb to those rules. Uh like you're not he's not gonna ban or stop um Ray from having emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's probably gonna teach her how to use those emotions and feelings without completely giving into the dark side so she can kind of ride that fence. Um, because if you think about it, I think it's it really comes down to this situation where it's like Catholic school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have Catholic school and you go there and you have these rules that kind of keep you in check and in your in your head all you all you're thinking about is, you know, what if I could do this and what if I could do that? And then when you finally get out of Catholic school and you don't have the nuns with the rulers and the paddles, uh, you know, fucking you up every time you turn around. Now you just fucking go buck wild and you're like, you know, fuck it. Right. Mm -hmm. Now you're just right. like, you're, 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 you're screwing everything in sight. You're probably taking drugs. You're doing all this shit because you've like the reins are off. So now you've gone from the light side to the dark side. And that's that's basically your Jedi that's given into their feelings and emotions and now have gone completely to the dark side. So instead of depriving her, right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and holding back her feelings and making her do things that possibly she doesn't really want to do. 
and and kind of restricting her it's allowing her to 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 feel her emotions and to to use her emotions and to use the dark side of the force while keeping her emotions in check and just teaching her how to control it okay right All and right, that, no, and I that's mean, not the way of the jedi so yeah. so that's why you're saying the jedi have to end that makes sense because i always wondered why you know like why would you want it to be the last jedi like the jedis are the good guys you know like but i mean there's obviously more behind that and that's obviously i think a good explanation of it um i mean yeah it it definitely i like the like the metaphor for like catholic school (laughs) because i feel like that makes a lot of sense to people i went to catholic school um i mean it wasn't no (laughs) when i went it wasn't really like get slapped with a ruler but it was right. like you're going to detention you know for yeah. like stupid shit yeah you know um yeah and once i got out of catholic school it was just like fuck it but um <laughs> you know it's just something i'm doing everything yeah. i couldn't do yeah you know? exactly and you know and that's um, that's that's your vader that's your dooku that's your uh your darth maul like it's like they're just like fuck it i'm giving into everything yeah you know these are all my vices i'm just giving into it and and the vices control you so basically, the dark side of the force is in control, and you're not in control mm-hmm. uh, if you give in. And that's why they call it giving in. Um, with uh, the light side of the force, you're in complete control. Mm-hmm. And so you're blocking out all the other abilities that you would have. So to restore balance is to bring it all together and kind of meet in the middle where you control, where you still have control over everything, but you're not excluding your, your feelings. You're not locking away your feelings. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's the, I don't know. The Star Wars trailers have always been very, they've been very interesting to me because it's a lot of build up for these movies that everybody is waiting for, and everybody is just literally sitting on the edge of their seats watching these trailers, and just, it's just amazing how powerful these movies have become. They're almost like a lifeline for people, you know, uh, like when, when, um. Rogue One came out. It was like Facebook exploded. People were like, it's at Target. It's at Walmart. It's like, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, <laughs> I, even, I think I even posted. I was like, why don't you guys stop talking about it? Just go get it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <clears throat> like, just go get your copy, man. Go home, watch it. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, it's, but I, I guess I have to compare that to something that I'm really passionate about. You know, like when something comes out, I, I think the last thing that I like was amped up to get was like, you know, I went to a midnight release was uh, when they released the last Mortal Kombat, you know, because I've been playing that since I was yeah. like, like 12, you know, so that that was cool. But um, yeah, man, I haven't really there hasn't been really anything that I've like amped up. I mean, I'll pre-order stuff on iTunes, you know what I mean? And then I just get it that day, yeah. you know, a little bit earlier or usually like a day before. So I'll sit home and watch it and I don't have to necessarily leave the house and, and worry about getting a copy. It's all digital. So so that's cool. Um, yeah, I think the trailer looks good, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to actually see the movie, but we got to wait until Christmas. So what do we got? We got a while. We yeah, got, uh, but in the meantime, we got so many other things to watch that are going to keep us busy. So I'm excited. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let, I'm just going to let the excitement build for star Wars and I'm going to let this other stuff hold me over. And, uh, guardians is going to, I'm going to see that probably like 12 times in theaters, man. Like that shit, especially if i mean so far hype has been that guardians is going to be if if not better at least as good as the first one which was something very special um so i'm like i'm pumped well guardians the trailer is better every time i see it yeah you know and i they they're i just feel like guardians the first one was done so well that um they really have a lot of pressure on themselves to or have put a lot of pressure on themselves to make the second one just as good um but from what I've seen from the trailers, it looks like it's got the same vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the same sort of fun behind it. And what I also like is that I feel like they actually, in a sense, didn't let that pressure, you know, stand on their shoulders when they, when they went to make this, they just did the same thing they did the first time. Right. You know, like, don't try to make it better. Don't try to, don't try to amp it up. Just stay right on that middle where you were and it's going to have the same success. And I think that's where, where a lot of sequels fall short is they try to overdo or top what they did the last time. And in doing that, they fail. Um, Cause you just can't, you know, you usually can't top the first one, uh, but some sequels did like the dark Knight. but you know what I mean? So I'm excited for guardians too. And obviously we got uh, alien covenant coming out in May, uh, May 19th. What else is coming out? There's so much stuff, dude. Uh, Freaking injustice Two. injustice Two, Yeah. That's coming um, out. I can't wait for that. 
which I mean, you, you all know that I don't really get excited for DC properties, but Injustice was a fucking amazing game with an mm-hmm. amazing story to it. Um, like, it was probably one of the best DC stories I've I've ever you know, like I guess played, watched, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's a, as a story, it was probably one of the best stories like ever. Um, I mean, that well, all the trailers that have come out look better every. Each one is better. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they keep improving. They keep um, giving us a little bit more of a piece to the story. Um, I mean, it makes me wonder why they can't do this type of thing for their movies because oh, forget it, dude. Because if if dude, if if their movies were like three quarters of the quality of Injustice. Yeah, we wouldn't be having some of the discussions that we have. We'd just be praising every superhero movie that ever came out. Like, the, it's just, it's, I just it's feel sad like, to me. Yeah, but I just feel like video games and movies are, as as simple as it might sound to do something like that, they're totally different monsters. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's a there's more money that goes into making a movie. There's actors that have to be paid. There's, I, I mean, if you have the license but for why think because, about, man, think about Assassin's Creed though. Right. Yeah. Like they, they put how much money did they put into it so much? And they got Fassbender and they got like all these amazing actors, right. To like, to do the movie, but, and they had the game, the game laid out the fucking story. They didn't even have to write shit. Why can't they just take a property with the story that's there and fucking make it because they suck. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what. I, well, that's. But the it's answer. not because it, it's not because it's difficult. Like well, you just made it sound like it was really hard to do, and it's not. Well, no, I think. But it is though. It's it's it, dude. It's more. Listen, if you have the license for for to make a game like Injustice, where you have the license for DC characters, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Like you, you're gonna be able to create the characters. It's all CG. They're not real. You might have a couple people in motion capture suits, but it's like you got to get actors that have to be paid their contract. You got to get everybody in. The, uh, everybody's schedule has to be cleared up. You got to right. get them all together at the same time. You know, it's, it, you but gotta, all of that is taken care of because they have all the actors. They have the budget for the CGI, right? I'm talking, look, this is the same fucking studio. Warner Brothers is, is the studio behind Injustice. You know what I mean? They're the ones that are publishing the game. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers gave uh, NetherRealm the, the rights to, to create the story. And to to do all the like you know the the CGI and all that shit right, um, game's amazing. Warner Brothers is the same studio. The Hollywood branch of Warner Brothers puts together you know their Justice League movie, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying the Justice League movie is shit because it's not out yet, but it looks like it's going to be shit. Um, the Batman v Superman movie was near shitty i mean i'm gonna say it's probably average i mean it it didn't blow me away and it should have right um so on on that scale it's shit mm-hmm. right um why that's the problem like i mean you have ben affleck you have henry cavill who played uh superman and man of steel and was amazing in man of steel uh you've got you've got big name actors in that in that movie you know what I mean? Like the the actors, the the budget, all that shit is nothing. Like to to Warner Brothers, they have it. Mm-hmm. So all that shit's taken care of. It what what the problem was was the story, right? And putting it all together, why bother when you have such material as the Injustice game? You have the material before you that's in the comic books, uh, which. Ama- they have some really amazing epic runs in the comics. Yeah, but I just think it's different. From. It's different, man. Like I get what you're saying; they're valid points, but it is very different. Like you, a movie in itself is different than the, what goes into it than a video game. Like it just does. It's there's a lot more. Like like scheduling for one, like getting everybody together that's going to be in that movie to film on location wherever the hell they're going to be. I mean, <clears throat> it's a longer process. It's something that. Is going to take a lot longer to put together, and but that's what I'm saying. They already have that. That part of yeah, it, but that part of it's handled. Is uh, forget about scheduling. Forget about the actors. They're all there. That part's handled. You have all the actors together for Justice League. What's what's so difficult about making a good story? Well, no, I mean they they have their there's di- well one. I mean there's different writers. I mean like if you don't if the story is not good enough. I mean well, dude. I mean here's the thing. They they don't. From as far as I can see, DC hasn't made smart decisions at all 
They they just exactly. decide to fucking put something together and try to catch up to Marvel and have their own you know DC universe where the Marvel universe has been something that's been in been it's they've been setting that up since like 2008, right? You know, with Iron Man, with the first Iron Man. You know, they've been building this for eight nine years and releasing it in a in a strategic smart way to 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 be where they are right now. DC is just trying to catch up. And by catching up and trying to rush things, they're fucking stuff up and disappointing fans. So they have the ability to make good stories. They're just not making the best decisions to do so. And whose fault is that? It could be you have different writers who actually write for NetherRoom Studios and Warner Brothers who are in charge of the video game aspect of DC. And then you have different writers who are hired for the movie because the movie actually, or the, I mean, the, it costs a ton more to actually put a movie together. So therefore, they hire different writers for that. When, they, when maybe that's where the fault is. That's what I'm saying. And I, and I agree with you on like that. Like if I were, if but, I were an executive producer or a producer, if I had money to do it, if I was like right. the head of Warner Brothers. Shit is a fucking done deal. You I'm also, just like, okay, but, these guys killed it. I want them to write the story that we're going to put together. We have the actors. We have everybody's schedule taken care of. We have the budget for the special effects. These guys just need to write the story. Yeah, but you know Boom. what, dude? Uh, Injustice, and if you look at it, Injustice is still a fairly new game. Like in the grand spectrum of things, there's this is Injustice too. It's not like there's been like an Assassin's Creed saga like seven, eight games in where they realized, oh, wow, this is a franchise that is still... You know, people are still paying for. Let's make a movie out of it. Injustice Two just it hasn't even been released yet. Let the let this success of Injustice Two hit ground and and you know send some shockwaves out. And if it gets good reviews, then fucking yay for DC. And maybe they'll get a hint that they should be looking at the storyline for that game and making somewhat of a movie out of it. You know what I mean? Because they will be able to do that. But it, well, I don't even really want them to make a movie out of Injustice. But, but you're talking like, about somebody who has control over storyline. Like, right. Storyline is the key. Storyline for Injustice was awesome. Injustice 2 looks even better. Mm -hmm. You know, and it looks more powerful. The graphics have improved. It's Netherroom Studios. So, you know, the same company that created Mortal Kombat, the gameplay is going to be fucking phenomenal. And it looks phenomenal from the trailers. So, I can only imagine how awesome this game is going to be. So, but, I mean, think about the think about what you said too. Like, I mean, I know Injustice is a young game, but you mentioned Assassin's Creed. We talked about Assassin's Creed briefly just now. Um, seven or eight games in, we know that that shit has a great storyline. We know that it's like really cool and and uh, original and conceptually pretty amazing. Why couldn't they just follow that? You know what though, man? It's like a conversation that I was having with Becca the other day. <clears throat> um, it's it's one of those things where. You know, this people are only going to jump on it when the pot's hot. You know what I mean? Like, think about um, uh, what was the example that I used? Um, the fucking show uh, where it's it's different every season, and I sound like a fucking idiot. American Horror Story. American Horror Story, when it first came out in its infancy, was a very new show, and people were like, "Oh, like American Horror Story." Nobody knew what it was, right? You had uh, you had Lang in it. You had a bunch of other great actors. And everybody was, was like, oh, this is like a cool horror show that's on network television now. Like, I'm down horror. Like, that hasn't been done in a while since, like, Masses of Horror, right? Where they had all these horror directors come in, like Wes Craven and so forth. Yeah. So you get a show like that, right, that nobody expects to be as big as it's become. And as soon as it gets a little bit of fire under its ass and it starts blowing up on TV, all these people want to fucking part in it everybody wants to put to get their hand on the pot while it's hot you know like you got like lady gaga had to fucking be a part of it you had to get um a bunch of other actors to jump in it, it just became like this thing what's like okay well now it's the cool thing so everybody's got to jump into it you know it's like they don't they, they're not gonna give a shit about it until it's getting rave reviews and it's blowing up to a certain extent mm -hmm. and i feel like when you consider it, it, I mean, Injustice is still in its infancy, and we had one great game. Everybody loved it. It's kind of gone under the radar since then. Like since, like once Injustice came out, it, and it had its hype, and kind of it kind of went under, just went under the radar for a while. Nobody cares about it anymore. Trailer for the second one came out. It looks even better. Now it's back up on top. You know, right. people are waiting for this game to come out. So I feel like let this let this second game, you know happen and and then see what happens see if dc and the studios realize they got something where they can make a lot of money on you know and that's I, kind of what's happened with mortal kombat man mm -hmm. like like mortal kombat 
uh, came back and it blew up with Mortal Kombat 9. Mortal Kombat X has been fucking phenomenal and they're still releasing shit for it. And there's talks right now of them making a Mortal Kombat movie because they know the fans want it. So let that happen. Mortal Kombat was under the radar for a long time until 9 came out. And, and then everybody realized, holy shit, this is still a thing. People still play this. You know, so give a second for the studio to, to, to realize it's bigger than they think it is. And I think that's where we're going to see some changes. Well, I think here, here's, my, here's my take on it. I think there are some studios that give a shit and want to put out the best thing that they can put out and, and want the, whether, whether you're a gamer, where we're talking about games, uh, you know, you got Rocksteady that's putting out, you know, the uh, Arkham Knight series, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the awesome. most amazing series out there. Uh, you've got, you know, NetherRealm that puts together Mortal Kombat and Injustice, two amazing fucking games. They're fantastic. And you can tell that there's a lot of love and effort and, and energy that goes into creating these things. And then you have studios like, and, and by studios, I mean publishers like EA, that's just like, okay, well, you know, make some tweaks and we just throw out the next game, like right. Madden, um, which doesn't, which year to year is almost like just a roster update, um, it, except for last year's, which was actually a pretty good, um, a pretty good game. But, you know, that fucking isn't enough. Like when we're talking like 16, 17 fucking versions of the game that, you know, are like just the same shit fucking every year right. with a graphic overhaul. Um, you know, like you've got uh, studios that like, I mean, well, EA is really the biggest like offender of this shit where, you know, you put out like a game that's like half finished and, you know, over time you release the rest of it, but you're paying for more shit. Uh, we talked about this before with somebody and I can't remember who the person was that we were talking to, but um like, you know, they were saying they weren't going to get injustice. Oh, Matt uh, Pettit. Yeah. Um, he said, oh, I'm not going to get injustice because, you know, I know like soon they're going to release the ultimate version. And, you know, I, I don't want to pay for, you know, the game twice. Yeah, but whatever. the ultimate like, version of Mortal Kombat <clears throat> came out like a year in. I'm not going to wait yeah. that long. No, me either. And and that's the thing. Like, I mean, with, with game studios like Nether Realms, you know you're going to get quality. With game studios like EA, yeah, you might want to wait a little bit before they before you fucking buy the shit because you're gonna get like a third of the game mm-hmm. that's already completed, and then they're just gonna release the other three parts of the game or the other two parts of the game when you're you know when they feel like oh well now it's time to like release it because people are getting bored with the one third that we released. So and then you still have to pay like ten to fifteen bucks more for each section, right. sometimes twenty, twenty nine bucks. And it's just stupid. Plus there's all this in game currency and all this other shit that you have to buy. Sell me a complete fucking game. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Please, for once in your fucking life, sell me a complete game so I can sit down and play it and enjoy it without having to pump money into your pocket. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get it. I get it. Games are, are expensive to produce and create. You wanna charge me eighty bucks for the game? Right. So that way I don't have to keep feeding you with fucking money every time I need something like like a power up for my fucking football play. Like, I mean, my football guy, like if I'm playing football, my receiver should be a fucking dope receiver every time I play the game. Yeah. If he's a good like if I'm playing with Odell Beckham Jr., he should be Odell Beckham Jr. from beginning to end. It shouldn't be like, oh, here's your bronze card. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. He's a 79. But if you want him to be the guy that he is on TV, like. You have to buy fucking gold version or platinum version of or the ruby version of Odell Beckham Jr. And that's going to cost you about fucking fifty seven dollars in gold coins to open up fifty two packs of the fucking pro series or whatever. You know, what I mean, like, I don't I don't want to go through that shit. You know, what I mean, like, so so that's where I get frustrated. But again, back to what I was saying, uh, movies, same thing. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like you have people that love the property that they're doing. Marvel, for instance, uh, Sony is the one. Right now, Sony and and Fox, I can say, you know, they don't really love their properties. You know what I mean? But you have people within those studios like Ryan Reynolds and shit like that. They love the properties that they're doing and it shows in the movie. Uh, Warner Brothers with the DC properties, they're pumping them out because they want to make money. Right. And I and it's great. Everybody wants to make money. But I want to see shit out there that people are, are putting love and effort into uh, because that's going to translate and it's going to make me feel good about the shit I'm watching. Right. No, I mean, it, dude, it all makes sense. I, I agree in one aspect, you know, that I think if NetherRealm Studios, um, you know, like that with example would be Mortal Kombat, like if they finish the game, but then they intentionally go out and create things like mm-hmm. new things for you to download, like they're working on things like then fine, I'll pay for it. 
Right. You know, but I'm not. Yeah. But if they, you know, like you were saying, like sell me a fucking complete game. Like, yeah, it's legit. You know, I mean, it's it's so true. You know, like um, I, I, I'm sorry. I went on a complete fucking rant there because I just got more, no, more but it, like it, angry as I was talking. No, so. dude, that's it. Dude, that's what Redbeard podcast is known for. Right. <laughs> we, we get heated. <laughs> so, um, but uh, definitely on another note, some sad news this week. Uh, we found out that uh, Charlie Murphy passed away from leukemia, which was kind of mind-blowing because I didn't even know that he had leukemia. Yeah, uh, I don't think a lot of people did. Yeah, they kind of kept that quiet. Um, but I was uh, kind of on TMZ, and I had I saw it pop up, and I was like, what? Like, I, I actually like, thought I read it wrong, and then I just clicked on the link and went into it, and it was like a picture of Charlie Murphy and all the info. And it's crazy, man. He was 57. Uh, it's insane, you know, mm -hmm. um, for somebody to die so young. And uh, I know that... Uh, you know, Eddie Murphy is actually and their family's kind of been like mourning that um, as they should be um, really bad loss for for a lot of people, especially for the comedy world. Um, you know, he was great on Chappelle's show, <laughs> you know, like yeah. had some great stuff there. Um, and it's cool because I was online this morning and uh, I was just on YouTube, kind of doing like a YouTube thing for like 20 minutes. And uh, I saw this thing that was recent where Dave Chappelle was doing like a comedy show in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And uh, he started talking about uh, Charlie Murphy for a little bit. And then uh, it was it was weird. I'm not sure what it was, but it was like I think it was a John Mayer concert. Right. But but uh, Dave Chappelle like showed up, I guess, because they're like boys or whatever. And like came out and like kind of did like a 10 minute thing. You know, like it was it wasn't more of like a set. It was just kind of laid back thing where he came out on stage. But he brought him up and he's like, you know, there's a song that, um, you know, I. I want you to, uh, that I really love that you do. He's like, because it reminds me of, um, you know, when I heard it, it reminds me of, of him, you know, and, uh, he played it and it was a really cool song, you know, and then that was kind of like the end of the show. They both kind of just walked off stage. So it was interesting, you know, to see something so recent. Um, but it's affected a lot of people. And it's a major loss. So yeah. sucks, man. So I don't know. Did you, uh, did you watch him on Chappelle show? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially like the 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 true Hollywood stories. Yeah. yeah, and then like the Rick James shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's talking about his experience with Rick James, which I thought was pretty funny. Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so much like his brother too. Like, yeah. which is messed up is that like when I went on TMZ and I pulled up the uh, the the picture of of it says Charlie Murphy has passed whatever. It looks exactly like Eddie Murphy to the point where it's like they couldn't have chosen like another picture that doesn't look like Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they look like. You but know. he's more of a thugged out version of Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's a little bit like bigger. He, he's got like more when muscle you, on him. Like when you see Charlie Murphy, like, you know that Eddie Murphy was the nerd of the family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, just to turn the tables a little bit, um, I was also watching something that, that I had forgotten about, but uh uh, Eddie Murphy was on Jimmy Kimmel and they had asked him about uh, if he was ever going to do stand up again. And he was like, well, he's like, you know, stand up is more than people think. He's like, you know, I got to go back into the clubs. I got to start working the circuit. He's like, and uh, he's like, I don't think that there's a lot of leather suits out there anymore. And, <laughs> and, and Jimmy Kimmel's like, we'll, we'll find you a leather suit. We'll find you one. But he said it's not um, he said it's not uh, impossible. He's actually really considering it. So I think that would be awesome to see him do stand up again. Cause he was damn funny, but he admitted he's like a different person now. So the comedy's probably going to be different. Yeah. I but, mean, like that's the thing, man. Like I like him more as a comedian than I did as an actor. Like yeah. there was, there were movies that I loved. Like obviously Beverly Hills, Hills Cop Cops was the so shit. Good. Um, you know, like shit like that. 48 hours was amazing. Yep. Uh, like that whole series. What about Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> like, those, I'm I'm not, those I'm not into. I'm just kidding, dude. I don't think I don't think a lot of people are into those. <laughs> that was kind of like the end of his his acting career, um, which sucked, man, because I really do like him. But um, I hey, t talk to me about this, though, man. Turning the tables again here. Um, American Gods, uh, obviously a, a, a book or a series that was written by Neil Gaiman. And, and you uh, you actually sh sent me this trailer last night. I had never heard of American Gods uh, and you are like psyched about it. The trailer looks phenomenal. Um, and you showed me the second trailer a little bit earlier and it's just like a lot more like blood and guts and it's gory as shit. So I'm pretty excited about that. But 
Uh, but talk to me a little bit about that and what your your hopes are, I guess, for this this series or this uh, this whole thing coming out. It looks awesome. Yeah, no, it just it looks amazing. I'm thinking this could be the show that kind of dethrones Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the key is going to be for people to latch onto it. Like people have to know about it. People have to hear it. People have to hear that this show is amazing and they have to see it. It's going to be on stars. So uh, stars, I don't think is as popular as the HBO uh, network. So I'm not sure how many people have it, how many people, you know, watch shows on it, but if you can get into, um, you know, hopefully people can get into like a free trial of stars or something like that and just check this show out. Uh, it looks fantastic. They got a really good cast. Ian McShane's in it. Uh, who, I love Ian McShane. Who is fantastic. Um, and it's a it's a story about old gods that exist still and they they are on earth and they are disguised as humans um and they're preparing for war against the new gods and the new gods are basically like uh technology and media and and stuff like that so uh they're preparing to go to war against against them and it's just it's going to be a really really good show man because it looks so far like from the trailers it looks like they're going kind of word for word from the book um and the first they they're splitting that book up into three chapters basically uh and each season is going to represent a third of the 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 book american god so if you haven't read the book pick it up check it out it's really great it's by neil gaiman one of the best authors i think of the century um and i know that's that's heavy uh but it's it's damn true um guy's amazing and uh seriously um this show if it's anything like the book it's going to be fantastic like it's going to blow people away and he's working on the second novel now so that means that there's going to be more material to kind of keep the show going um and and it's not and when he's working on a novel he's this is the type of author that will finish it it's not like uh george rr R. martin where you're going to be waiting fucking five years uh, yeah. for for a novel i mean like he it's been a while since American Gods came out, so you know. But he never said there was going to be a sequel, right? So he's he's working on the sequel now, and uh, because I don't know if like the sh it getting picked up for a show kind of sparked something in his mind, and like he decided to you know continue the story. But um, but yeah, it's going to be great. Awesome, man! I'm looking forward to it. E. McShane, though, I'm glad that he's in it. He's such a powerful actor, and uh, they, I think one of my favorite roles of him uh, that he's done was. Uh, in Hot Rod. I mean, he played, uh, you know, the character um, Andy Samberg's father, which was great. You guys got to check out Hot Rod if you haven't seen it. And I was kind of blown away when I found out you hadn't seen it. But um, he's great in that. Uh, and also, um, last thing I saw Ian McShannon was John Wick 2. Mm -hmm. um, he was awesome in that too. I mean, he's just got such a powerful presence uh, that I'll watch anything that he's in. Um, so, um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Guys, check out the trailer for American Gods. There's two of them. The second one was even better than the first. It was just so much more bloody and gives you an idea of how gruesome the show is going to be. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, watch um, both trailers. I mean, the first one sets everything up, kind of lets you know kind of what what it's about, like how, yeah. how weird the show is going to be. And then the second one just kind of opens it up and shows you that, the, hey, there is action in this and there is some some uh gore that's going to be coming so yeah that's an understatement <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty crazy man yeah like people getting cut in half just like it's insane so yeah like right down the middle yeah and like and and across the middle yeah and slow motion like them splitting apart so like, you know like, like, like holy shit the main character in one of the trailers is like laying in a sea of blood yeah guts, arms and heads and like <laughs> yeah it's it, like he's just laying face down in it and like pulling himself up off the ground it's like the sickest shit man yeah it's, it's awesome it looks awesome I think this will be a good time to take a quick break and hear a little bit about our sponsor. This episode of the Red Beer Podcast is brought to you by Supply and Demand Investing. Not all investments are created equal. Guys, did you know that the Standard & Poor's 500 is made up of the 500 of the 2,400 stocks on the New York Stock Exchange? Say word. And that the S&P 500 index, most quoted by the media outlets, is a cap-weighted index. A cap-weighted index gives more investment weight to larger companies and incrementally less and less to the smaller ones. Get the fuck out of here. Yet, there's another S&P 500 index that invests in the same 500 stocks equally. 
The question then is, which of these two indexes do you think has performed better over the past five years? I have an idea. Well, if you want to find out, go to supplyanddemandinvesting.com slash redbeard. That's us, guys. Supplyanddemandinvesting.com slash redbeard. Now, supply and demand investing helps compare investments in the hopes of delivering better than average results, whether they be long-term, short-term, or just something in the middle. And remember, like any good sports team, when it comes to investing, the Giants, there are times to play offense by investing in things like the S&P 500, and times to play defense by investing in things like bonds, CDs, or cash. So I say go Pats. Go Giants! Pats. If you want to find out, Check out supplyanddemandinvesting.com slash redbeard. So this just came out on Netflix. Uh, pretty awesome. It's Louis C.K. 2017. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, it's Louis C.K.'s latest uh, Netflix special. Um, there's been a lot of awesome specials blowing up on Netflix. I mean, if you are a comedy person and you want to watch comedy, uh, stand-up comedy specifically, you can pretty much find almost any comedian on Netflix now. Um, Dave Chappelle just released two, which were fantastic. Um, and I wasn't even aware. I knew Louis C.K. was going to be dropping a Netflix special, but I wasn't sure when. And then I got like a notification that it was out. And, um, you know, it was awesome. I really did like it. But it wasn't um, as good as some of the other specials that I've seen. I think my favorite Louis C.K. special was Shameless. Um, Chewed Up was good. Uh, and he has, you know, some live specials as well. But uh, this was very a uh, very different uh, type of performance by Louis C.K. He came out in a suit for one, which uh, he's never really done before. He's always been kind of like a jeans and a black t-shirt type of guy. Mm-hmm. So to see him in a suit... Was kind of interesting, but he like looked like a full suit and tie. Yeah, full suit and tie, like really kind of like classy comedian, you know. Um, uh, it's like some Vegas shit. It's like like Rodney Dangerfield, you know yeah. what I mean? But he came out in a full suit. I know Jerry Seinfeld does that a lot, um, but he's also lost a, which looks like a good amount of weight too, which I'm I'm psyched for him because he was Louis C.K. was starting to get heavy, and and he talked about. <laughs> how unhealthy he was in a bunch of his specials. So it looks like he kind of started to drop some weight, um, you know, and I think because of that, he maybe felt a little bit more confident, put on a suit. I mean, he looked good, um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was definitely funny. Um, he did a lot of uh, observational comedy. I mean, it started off with him talking about abortion, which was uh, okay. Like <laughs> you're going to start off your special with abortion jokes, but I wouldn't expect anything less from him. Um, and he also had um, this really funny joke about um, how <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but I'm totally going to. He had this joke about how when you're a younger kid, you don't necessarily know how to talk to a girl. You don't know how to necessarily go up and like ask if you can, you know, go out with her or like, how does that how does that how do you approach that? And so he started doing this voice of like like an English, like old English kind of. <laughs> He's like, what was, how did he start? He's like, hello, may I um, talk to your woman? And then like he would do like the woman's voice. He's like, yes, you may, sir. <laughs> then he's like, may I finger her? <laughs> then he goes, <laughs> he goes, you are very bold, sir. <laughs> but yes, you may. And then it cuts back and he goes, finger her, I shall. And then he does like this whole thing like with his hand, like he's fingering her and then like does like a bow like a prince. Like it was, it was really funny. He's just got this, he's the same Louis C.K., but... On a scale of 1 to 10, I think I'd give it like an 8 because it wasn't uh, the funniest I've seen, but it was still worth watching. So check right. it out. Louis C.K. 2017 on Netflix. There it is. Word. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, Comedy World, Jay Farrow uh, was fired from SNL. And um, this is somewhat recent, but uh, you and I were kind of reading up on this, trying to figure out what the grounds were for him getting fired. Um, and, uh, it seems like they just, you know, aren't going to be using the characters that he's done anymore. Like Obama's out of office, so they're really not going to be doing anything with that. Um, and I think a lot of the impressions that he did were of, you know, African-American celebrities. And they said that the, the show is going to be going like in a different direction, I think, for a lot of the impressions that he does, not specifically African-Americans, just in general. Um, so I think they kind of weeded him out, um, and that kind of sucks because I did like him, but I also felt he was kind of underused. I don't know what you think about that. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and he even said that he felt like he was underused. He said they put you in a box, like you kind of, you know, get known for one thing, and they just want you to keep doing that thing. And if you, and he just got sick of it himself. So I think there might have just been some conflict. Like they wanted him to do something that he didn't want to do, and he was just like, "All right, then, you know, I'm out." He had mentioned like being like, you know, like they wanted him like, you know, wear dresses and shit. Yeah, and uh, he was he was just like, "Yeah, I'm not about that, so I'm not gonna do it." Right. I mean, I also feel like, you know, as a comedian, though, if you're on SNL, I mean, they want you to do something like it's all a character. You know, what I mean, like, mm-hmm. like there's been a lot of guest celebrities that dress up as women because it's going to be funny. Right. You know, I don't think he should take it as like, oh, I have too much pride. It's like it's a character, man. Like people know it's SNL. They're not going to like make fun of you because you put a dress on. It's just a character. Um, but I mean, there have been I mean, to his, like what he was say, what he had said, too, was that, uh, you know, there's a lot of like you know, African-American uh, comedians that are put in that position where, you know, like they're, they're kind of like forced into that, like where, you know, they want you to wear a dress. And it's, it's a, it's funny because there's a psychological aspect to it where, you know, you become this, this uh, black comedian that's rising, a rising star. And, you know, you're, you're being put in a position of, of power. And this is probably like, it's going to be less and less an issue uh, going going forward just because of the day and age that we live in uh, where there's a lot more acceptance for you know cross-dressing and uh, transgender and 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 such um, but there's this like there was this like position of power that you're in and they want to make you look weak by putting you in women's clothes and and that's something that that african-american like actors comedians and so on have kind of gone through over the years and so i kind of get where he's coming from where he's just like no i'm not going to do that you know that's just not because that's not like my that's not my type of comedy i'm not going to do that and you know that's that so i kind of respect him for standing up for himself and and you know kind of putting his foot down and drawing a line in the sand yeah i mean i don't know there's some parts of it i guess i can agree with there's like some parts i don't i think you know, if you're on SNL and they're paying you, like, you know, it's comedy. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody takes anything you do on SNL too seriously because it's SNL. Um, you know, it, it's, it's done for a laugh. And if it doesn't get a laugh, then it is what it is. And they've known him for doing a lot of other things. Like, if you, I mean, just look him up on YouTube too. I mean, I'm sure that anybody has seen him on SNL has seen some of his YouTube shit and it's, He's got like a huge encyclopedia of impressions that he can do. And I, that is one thing I will say I, I agree with completely is that if he feels that he was underused, he was being underused. Um, there's so many other things they could have used him for. He kind of got stuck in the Ben Carson, Obama kind of thing. And, um, you know, he did Jay-Z a couple times. But, I mean, he does an awesome Will Smith. He does an awesome Denzel Washington. He does pretty much almost any celebrity you can think of. I mean – um, great. He does an amazing Eddie Murphy. There was one where he went through like this whole thing on, uh, the weekend update where it was him talking about like this fake party that all these like, comedians got together and, you know, like, and he did the voices of all of them, you know, like Chris rock. Right. And it, it was great, you know, like he's really talented and they didn't do enough of that. And that's what I was, I was hoping for when he was going to be on SNL. So, but, uh, he's definitely not out of a job. He, you know, is out of SNL, but he's already gotten uh, picked up for a show that you had mentioned. So, um, you know, you definitely haven't seen the end of Jay Farrow. I mean, this guy right. is uh, is still going to be around. So something to look forward to. Last week, I was talking about uh, X-Men Gold um, and how it's like a return to form for X-Men and, you know, kind of getting them back into the superhero business uh, instead of being this like, woe is me, uh, you know, minority report. Um, the coolest thing about the book that I thought well one of the coolest things was the artwork because it was like kind of back to like that 90s era uh you know in your face uh really cool art style and there was some controversy over the last week which is really it it blew my mind when I heard about this because I didn't pick up on it uh but Rob uh had picked up on it Mm -hmm. um he didn't know what it was but it was weird to him like when there's there's a scene or two in the book and one the one that stood out was when they're playing baseball their jerseys had like these really weird like uh number patterns or number schemes uh and letters and it turns out that adrian saif the uh 
the artist on the book is is a Muslim. Um, and what he did was he had inserted some religious and political messages into the artwork um, that have been interpreted as um, some uh, <clears throat> anti-Christian and anti-Jewish uh, verses from the right. Quran. Okay. Um, basically that, that preach exclusion. Um, but they have other interpretations. So there was a, um, there was something going on and his, um, his message was something that he was trying to, you know, put out there. Like that was, you know, something to unify people and, and preach love and justice, uh, which is another way that that verse can be interpreted. But the fact that there's this uh, wholly negative uh, way that that verse can be interpreted that is anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, uh, preaching exclusion. Marvel Comics has fired uh, that person, uh, Adrian, and he is actually he's actually come out and said that his career is pretty much over because of this. Um, and, wow. And uh, the bottom line is that nobody from Marvel knew that he was doing it, so he basically kind of did it behind their back. Um, and the whole message behind X-Men is definitely to talk about like, you know, unification and, and to be anti-prejudice and anti-exclusion. Um, so the fact that that message was in there and it can be interpreted as the exact opposite of the message behind the X-Men was a complete like slap in the face to Marvel. So like, yeah, it's just, it blows my mind that somebody could do that and, and think that it was going to be okay. Right. I think that it's yeah. I mean, the guy's kind of an idiot for doing it. I mean, why would you throw? Why would you risk your career for something like that? Like, is it really going to be that big of an impact? Like, I I think it's that's just racist. <laughs> I mean, putting it putting it bluntly, that's mm. what it is. You know what I mean? Why would you do that? Oh, because there, there was there's and I don't know what it was because Rob was telling me about this, but there was something going on in a in a Muslim community, um, and it was like. It's been on the news and whatnot. I'm going to have to find out more about it, but we'll talk about it next week. The, um, but the issue is that he was just kind of like, you know, it was his response to, to what was happening in the community. So it wasn't, it wasn't racist because his intentions were the other interpretation of that verse because there are literally two interpretations. One is love and justice. Two is exclusion and anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, right? So, um, so his, in, his intentions were one, but it can be taken either way. And because there's that ambiguity, that's why Marvel had to take action and actually fire this, this young kid uh, who just got his big break and got into the industry and lost it overnight. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, but why would you take it? Why would you risk it? Why would you put something in there that clearly wasn't approved by Marvel and not expect anybody to pick up on it? Like oh. that's you know what I mean? Like, dude, you like they, they you know that they didn't approve that. Like he was like right. he was like uh, you know something happened politically or relig religiously whatever that he was aware of and was like you know what I'm gonna take some of that and put it into the the X Men like like you know, in his artwork, don't do that. It's, right. It has, it has nothing to do with, with Marvel and it wasn't approved. So don't do it. Like he fucked up. Like that's and his I mean, fault like here. Like I'm showing you right here. That's the, uh, that's the image in question. So you had, uh, hold, hold on. on. No, because, uh, I just kind of backed out there. All right. That's the image in question. So that's, uh, it's like just a, it's a couple of letters and numbers on a Jersey. Right. So like artists, in general, will weave their own political views and their own ideas into artwork, but it's never really anything that's blatant. And unless you're, unless you have a really, really keen eye, you're not going to pick up on it. Yeah, but something, but something like that, like uh, QS five five one, like on the middle of the guy's chest on his shirt, like it was. It's obviously put in a place where everybody's going to see it, and somebody was probably going to try to figure out what that means. Of course. So why the hell would you do that? It's not like it's a little symbol in the background. It's clearly on there. Like some, like like you as a comic book reader would probably see that and be like, "What the hell does that mean?" No, and I mean, then I Google read, it. And no, then, I read the comic and I didn't give a shit. I didn't really pay too. I didn't pay any mind to it. Rob, on the other hand, picked it up because like I don't even 
fucking care about baseball. So I didn't. Right. As far as I know, that's what jerseys look like. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't know what the fuck they have on their jerseys. But um, but yeah, no, it was interesting um, for for this for this kid. I, I think it was a it was a dumb move. It was a stupid move. But I get why he did it. And I get the um, I get the fact that art is a is a it's a tool for expression. It's a it's a vehicle for people to get you know their thoughts, their views out, and they do. And and artists and comic books have been hiding messages and and things of that nature for for decades. Right. But this was just the wrong message. It's like if I swear, if there was any way that this could be interpreted, if there was, if this was like only able to be interpreted one way, and the message was love or inclusion, right? There's no way that Marvel would give a shit about this. But the fact that this this message could be interpreted a different way is why Marvel has, has to take a stance. So it's not that he did it. It's what he chose to put in. And, and that was his mistake. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like if it if it was a heart that he put in without Marvel's approval, Marvel would have no problem. Right. But the fact that this is something that has some dichotomy to it, something that has some uh, some like, you know, alternative meanings you know they have to they have yeah, to pull the trigger I, I guess unless they unless they come out and make a statement about it you know that it actually means this well yeah no know? even that like he, the kid's done uh he only gets three issues because uh, he's already done them they're in the can he doesn't get paid for anything new um and marvel has stricken those images well like they've actually like gotten rid of that um that verse from the the jerseys and there was a couple of billboards that had it as well uh they erased it from the the issue and they're reprinting it so anybody who has that particular copy which i didn't pick up um from the store i actually got it on um comicology comicsology so i blew it <laughs> yeah uh but that's that's probably going to be a very uh a very valuable issue yeah down the road um but on, on a lighter note, I saw Barry Weintraub last night. Yeah, man. Um, this is uh, something that you've been talking about for a while. Yeah. You are the lead actor in the play. Uh, you play the main character. And the, mo- the I called it a movie. The, uh, the, <laughs> the play was phenomenal. It was funny as hell. <coughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I, I was... Uh, I was interested to see what you're going to think as soon as I came out on stage because you had no idea what I looked like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was funny as hell. And like everybody did a great job. Uh, you know, the the characters were, were fantastic. I, I just I wish I had seen like the first play. Yeah. You know, because I don't I didn't know many of the characters going into it, but it, they did a really good job of kind of just making it a jumping on point because, uh, you know, they explain a lot of things. There's a lot of exposition in some cases where, like, you know, you get an idea of, like, why things are happening in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really feel lost. But, like, just watching watching it from beginning to end and enjoying it the way that I did, I wish I had seen all of the events unfold, like, in the first act or whatever. Yeah. Um, so this was a sequel, right? This isn't a trilogy. This is actually the third. Yeah. This is the third. Yeah. There was, right, so, so the first one was done 14 years ago. The second one was done 10 years ago. And the third one is going on right now. So I missed the first night. two. I need to see the first two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys going to do that? Uh, I don't know if we're going to do the first two shows again, but we would. Uh, there's like a video of it out there somewhere. I, I, I don't know where it see, is. This I'd is part of why to... I hate theater is that I can't get it on demand. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like. Okay, now what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I missed the first fucking two. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, like make that shit happen, man. Like, can I? Like, yeah, just make it happen. You know, we gotta fucking pay for it. So yeah, I mean, I'll try to see. I'll try to talk to Lenny <laughs> and get a, a a copy of it because it's out there somewhere. And I'll and if, as far as I know, they did film the the second one and the third one. I'm making sure that they're gonna film this one, mm-hmm. uh, just so you know we have a copy of it. So. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing with theater, man, you know, it kind of like, it's, it's a live event, you know, if you guys want to see it, you want to, you want to make sure you can get there and see it because it's, you know, it's not something that you can just on demand anymore, but, uh, or ever. So, yeah. um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, anymore, but yeah, definitely, uh, I mean, I'm glad you liked it, man. If anybody out there wants to check it out, 
Um, you know, it's at the Arctic Playhouse in West Warwick. Uh, it runs uh, obviously this weekend. So uh, last night was the uh, 13th. Um, so uh, it's going to be playing tonight, the 14th, 15th, and then it goes into next week. Um, but next week, it's only the 21st and 22nd, which is a Friday, Saturday. And then the last week, which is a the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th. Nice. So uh, make sure you guys check it out if you want to buy tickets. ArcticPlayhouse.com. Play as Barry Weintraub Legacy. Uh, $10 online, $15 at the door. There's free refreshments except for alcohol. So uh, come down, check it out. You guys yep. will love it. Bring a, bring a cushion to sit on. <laughs> fucking seats suck. <laughs> They're, they're typical theater seats, man. Lenny, so. those seats fucking suck. Yeah. Well, and by the way, give it up to Lenny, man. If he, uh, if you feel like he set up everything well with like exposition, because he wrote it. So yeah, he killed it. Yeah, man. So um, definitely, we'll have to have Lenny on soon. Definitely. Yeah, that's all I got, bro. Yeah, man. I am done. So uh, we will, guys. We will catch you next week, and uh, stay tuned because we might have some info on uh, Comic Con, which is actually coming up to Foxwoods Resort Casino in June. So woo. Keep you guys posted. Later. Peace.